Welcome back to the White Coat Club. My name is Lindsay and I am one of the counselors at Moon Prep. Today I have Michaela and Nicole with me and they're two of my fellow counselors here at Moon Prep. We'll be talking a little bit about resume building during the school year. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe to our channel to get more great content about direct med and medical school admissions. All right, Michaela, let's start with you. Um, how do you suggest to students to manage their time while in high school? That's a great question. So when I talk to my students about the things they should be adding to their resumes, I like to really give a big picture view first, knowing that they're only going to have 10 spaces on the activities list for the Common App. So that helps them prioritize things very nicely. And, you know, they need to be focused on their academics and SAT prep during the school year. So usually during the school year, I like to suggest that they are involved in school leadership if they're in student council or a club, and then maybe like one long-term shadowing or hospital volunteering or something where they're going in once a week, once every other week, but letting those hours accumulate over the school year. And so just really balancing time. And I think the most important thing is to know that even if you feel really busy, it's still important to do it. I had a student two years ago who quite literally <laughs> was doing soil research in South Dakota, even though he lived in Texas and he was living in these dorm rooms and going out and like camping with this research professor. And that student was still meeting with me two or three times a week over Zoom to get his essays done over the summer. So I'm always telling students, you know, even if you feel busy, I promise you have time and just to get it done and find a good balanced schedule. I completely agree. I always tell kids to kind of compare it to like investing for retirement, which I know like doesn't necessarily resonate with them, but for their parents, at least if you start saving for retirement, when you're like 55, you're going to be in trouble. You're gonna to have to like put in a ton of time, a ton of effort, and it's going to be like a huge uphill battle. But when you start, when you're young, you know, you put in, you know, a little bit amount each month, that's really where you get like a huge hopefully a huge, um, you know, windfall whenever you're retiring. So kind of think about the same way, small investments in your future will be a lot easier than trying to put in a ton of work in your, you know, junior second semester of your junior year. Now, speaking of managing time, Nicole, how many clubs do you usually recommend that students join? That's a great question. And I'm not really sure if there's a specific number that I recommend. Um, I think with everything we value quality over quantity. So we definitely have students who join, you know, six or seven clubs and they're just not being an impactful member of that club. I would much rather you be in one or two clubs and be actively involved. I know sometimes it's not something that you can necessarily control. If you have a passion for, you know, chess and they only meet once a month, you know, maybe you have that on there as well. It's just knowing it's not going to be something that's super impactful. And then you join others that you'll be able to have a bigger footprint in. Yeah, I always tell kids in their freshman year, like that's a good time to explore because they might not have had access to like robotics or a chess club or HOSA or DECA or whatever it might be. And so it's a good time to get out there and try new things. And then if they realize, oh, this club like actually doesn't align with my interests, it's not all that interesting. Like, you know, they're not actually doing too much. It's better to 
to drop it and to focus on things that you do like to do um, and to be consistent with those activities. And at the end of the day, we only have so many essays, so many activity slots on your common to be able to talk about your different activities. So, you know, you want to maximize your time in the different things that you actually enjoy doing. Michaela, what clubs do you typically recommend students to join? It really depends on the student, but number one, you know, I tell them to avoid joining a whole bunch of clubs that their friends, you know, are founding and everything so that they don't have their resume full of like seven different random clubs. The first priority when I'm having a student choose clubs is something that they're going to enjoy long term and want to move up through the ranks and not just be a member of seven different clubs, but really to pick things that they would want to progress into leadership so that they can show a progression. Also choose things, things that they're interested in. If they want to join anime club, you know, or AV club or something, that's great. But also to choose a club or two where they can chase some leadership roles. So a lot of students will um, question which type of clubs they should join and, or if they need to join POSA or they need to join the healthcare club at their school. We usually say if it's something that you think is active and you'll be able to get a good experience from, definitely just, you have, do you have to have POSA on your resume? You know, definitely not. If you are passionate about other things and you want to join art club or uh, builders club instead, that's completely fine too. I also will say, you know, maybe look for clubs that you are passionate about in the topic, but then also have a service aspect to it. Cause a lot of times, even if it's just a chess club or engineering club, they will give back to the community, maybe give back to the middle school or things like that. So that could definitely be a question that you're asking, you know, in the first interest meetings. And if there are no clubs who have a service component to them, this is a perfect initiative for you to start on your own too, to make sure that a club that you are loving is also giving back to the community. And that's what we always like to suggest here at Moon Prep, taking activities to the next level. How can you have a positive impact and not just be like a passive member of the club. So thinking about, even if it's not like a formalized leadership position where you're like the president or the, the secretary coming up with those ways to increase the reach of the club or to increase membership or whatever kind of your goal might be, that can be a great way to, to show colleges to a little bit about like who you are as well. And like what kind of person you might be on campus as well. Now, kind of speaking of that, um, about leadership and having impact, do students need to be a leader in every club? Absolutely not. You know, again, just really pursuing a leadership role across one or two prominent clubs. You don't have to be student council, you know, the president or anything like that. But even even just choosing, you know, crochet club where there's a service aspect and working your way to vice president or president by your senior year, that is great. Um, I would just say to make sure to not be just a member in every club. We feel like when we review resumes every single year at the end and see who was getting in, who was not, the resumes where people are a member of 18 different things but never moved beyond that, 
those are the students that we see the least acceptance rates from across the board. But no, leadership doesn't need to be something that you are devoting, you know, 20 hours a week to being presidents of five different clubs. Choose one or two that you're passionate about and that you want to help further the club. I agree. I kind of think of it almost like sometimes not really a red flag, but like a yellow flag. Like how can this person be a leader in like seven different clubs? How can they be class president? How can they be like, you know, captain of their sports team? How do they have enough time for all of these things? And I mean, if they are having real impact, I guess it does show a lot of like their time management skills and things like that, but it's better to, you know, focus your energy on a few things and have like great impact. And if of course you do kind of have those superhuman abilities to, to do a lot with your time and um, really maximize your time. And that's, that's great. But, you know, you don't definitely don't have to be a leader in everything. Now, another big question that we always get asked, um, especially in new client calls, how much do sports matter in college applications? Um, do you need to do them? What do you think, Nicole? Definitely not. You do not have to do sports. And if you do choose to do a sport, it's okay if you're not a starter, a captain, the top scorer, or the fastest, um, like if it's a track or things like that. Um, there's plenty of students who are great at those things and have that as a leadership role. But if you love the sport and you want to be involved in it, you absolutely can. Do you need it on your resume? No. Sports are great in, in some ways. They give you know, team building and working with a team. Those are a lot of the kind of soft skills that, that sports will bring to the table. However, you can find those elsewhere. And if sports are not your thing, uh, we can definitely help you try to find that team-like mentality in another aspect. Complete, yeah, completely agree. I always tell my kids, because sometimes they'll suffer through tennis for years because yeah. they think like the key to success and there is no one activity that is going to be the reason why you get accepted per se. Like, you know, you don't, even if you're going for like a direct med program, you don't have to be involved, heavily involved in HOSA or Red Cross or things like that. Cause sometimes of course, schools might not even offer those types of activities. And the same is definitely true for like any kind of sport. Um, as long as you've got like other activities where you are working on a team, where you're showing dedication, you know, where you are, you know, maybe even competing, it doesn't necessarily matter what it is, but you know, show those skills in other ways. That's, wow. that's the most important thing. And some other things too, I had a student one year who was going to quit soccer because, well, I'm not a starter, so it's not really adding to my resume and I'm not going to be captain. So I don't think that this is a valuable use of my time. Now, sports do take up a lot of time in whichever season they're in, but if you love it, I don't, I definitely wouldn't recommend quitting just because you're not going to have that, you know, top player or that award attached to it. Um, and then I get a similar thing with instruments too. I've definitely had kids suffer through this instrument that they hate playing just because they think it's going to look good. It's, it's not a one size fits all. Mm -hmm. That's perfect. That's a great point. And also there's no, just like Lindsay said, there's no slam dunk activity that you can do to guarantee results. It's always just looking at the the full pizza, every single piece with different toppings is going to make a full pizza that they're going to be looking at and evaluating. And it's not just the one slice that matters. I think we've all read probably like a million essays at this point about like a sports team or about like playing a musical instrument um, or dance or whatever it might be. And especially if you're doing like surface level activities, a lot of them tend to run together. 
but if like, it brings you joy, like for example, I was just reading an essay from this one student who, who talked about music, but then she kind of talked about it in a different way and about how she would like put her own spin on music um, and about how like music was like a really big part of her and actually making like Spotify playlists was like a big component of her kind of like emotional intelligence type things where she like realized through music that a lot of things could, could be two kind of conflicting emotions. And that's like a good thing. And so she definitely had a different spin on it. And if she was just kind of suffering through playing, you know, her instrument and suffering through like her, you know, music time, she never would have had like that relationship with music. And so obviously she really did love playing her instrument. And that was like what I think caused like this epiphany. And so that's what you kind of want to have. It's like, if she didn't have it and it was a, a chore rather than a joy, then there's no need to continue that activity. Let's pivot a little bit to talk about some, some things that maybe are a little bit more like BSMD specific, um, about like clinical activities, specifically like shadowing or internships. What's some advice you give to students about, about more of like the clinical aspect? Sure. So just like in any field, it's really great to get, you know, field experience, some industry experience. And again, I tell students if they are seeking to go into medicine, that they just kind of need a resume in the field a little bit earlier than other, you know, if they're going to choose to go into like accounting, you probably don't need a whole bunch of internships in accounting to, you know, get an, um, a major in that. Medicine is a little bit, little bit more of a competitive field. And so the big picture here is not oh my goodness, I need to get 50 hours of clinical experience either at a hospital or shadowing. It's not getting a check mark of hours. The big picture here is showing the colleges that you have explored and understand what the field of medicine is going to be like, that you have experienced it, you're still drawn to it, and you know you keep coming back every day. So for that, I tell students to pursue a shadowing experience with a family friend or their own pediatrician, someone they have ties to, and then seek out a par- a partnership, kind of more of a long-term placement that could be over breaks or over the summers or once every two weeks for three three hours at a time. And then hopefully that can turn into a long-term position and they let you call it an internship or something. Personally, I think I would rather see a student who does an activity like shadowing, for example, they do like four hours a, a week or whatever, every Friday, the whole summer. And then it ends up being about 40 hours rather than them doing 40 hours in one week. That's just like a preference. And it just totally depends on like the timing of the student. Um, I think that you get to see a little bit more like consistency in like the office and how it runs. Maybe you get to see consistent patients across like the entire summer. You know, maybe you get to see like different issues that pop up just over the course of the summer too. So I always like it when kids can, can do like that small consistent work rather than like, once again, the huge dump of time. But once again, sometimes kids don't have that luxury. Sometimes it's like you get to shadow for one day, eight hours in that day. And that's, that's all you can get access to. And so of course, like take that advice with a grain of salt. It just depends on what opportunities you have, you have access to. Nicole, what about volunteering? What kind of volunteering do you suggest students get um, and when to do volunteering? 
Yeah, volunteering is great for those younger students, ninth and 10th graders. Oftentimes, if you're getting into a hospital or into a shadowing internship position, you will need to be of a certain age, usually 16 or so. So volunteering is great for those younger years. Now, anywhere that you feel like you have a passion for dedicating to that cause specifically, I don't love when students just say, oh, I'm able to volunteer at this place, so I'm just going to do it because... I don't really care about the cause and I don't really have a passion for, for this, but it's just something that's out there. If you can go into a nursing home, potentially, I know we get a lot of students that try to do that or anywhere where it's a transferable skill. So working with other people and things of that nature is a great thing to seek out. Um, I have a lot of students who will do coaching or music lessons for younger students, just something that they're kind of maybe combining something that they love into the service aspect too. I love it. Yeah. And I think that that's always like a good thing to think about is like those transferable skills that you're gaining. It's not so much just about like the time you put in, but like the things you learned and people tend to forget that, that it doesn't necessarily matter, matter what you're doing. So for example, like I had one student kind of going off of like the building, the activities during like the COVID era, whenever everything was shut down, he, like his tennis team was shut down. He also was like a tennis coach on like the special Olympics team. So like, he was kind of trying to find a way to, to find a way to incorporate tennis into his activities and like still get out there and play tennis without, you know, missing out. And so what he started doing was teaching lessons to like women over the age of like 45 who had never played tennis before. And you know, of course, like he's learning how to teach, but there was a lot of transferable skills that he was gaining that could relate to like really any field. So if we kind of think about it from like the medicine standpoint, as a doctor, you're going to be talking to people that are a lot older than you, maybe have a lot more life experience than you. Um, but you still have to get them to trust you. And so as like, you know, a 17 year old kid, he was having to teach women twice his age. Um, and at first he was really nervous about it and didn't do a great job, to be honest, because he, he was scared to give them the feedback and to, to correct them. But that was something that he had to learn and something that we did talk a lot about in his essays, because it was like a huge, like growing moment for him personally. And it wasn't just about like teaching these other people, but it was about like, you know, those lessons that he's going to then as a doctor be able to, or, you know, whatever field he ultimately ends up going into be a more effective effective leader, more effective manager, whatever it is. And so those kind of things can surprise you whenever you go about an activity. Cause I don't think that that's really what he thought about whenever he started doing this particular activity, but it can be like a really great thing. Um, a great growing moment for, for students. And one thing I'll say too, about that, I'm going to continue talking is that obviously tennis really has nothing to do with a particular field. Like he's not going to be a tennis pro, but those lessons are going to be really great. And so just because it's not related to your future career doesn't mean that it's going to be a waste of time. And that's, I think, a really important thing for students to remember as they get caught up in thinking, oh, I need to be doing only STEM related activities or only business related activities or whatever it is, but it's okay to diversify and to do things that you love because those skills can transfer. Now, Michaela, especially during the COVID time, we had a lot of virtual activities because that was really the only option available. Are virtual activities still a good idea? Yeah. So I think there are a few virtual activities that are definitely worth the time. So I have a lot of students who are doing virtual research with a professor that's in a different state, a different university that they've connected with, and they're doing analyzing data for them. 
They're doing just different tasks that can be done virtually. And then also there are a few virtual internships, the Seattle Children's Hospital and then the Stanford Cardiothoracic Surgical Skills. I believe there is a part of that that is able to be virtual. So there are some very, some, some great virtual options out there. I would just make sure that students are pursuing a blend of them and not having only virtual projects and programs and things on their resume showing a blend because having those hands-on skills and being able to show a college that you can get in get into a lab or get in front of a crowd and you know speak their mind really does show development and shows personality and what they can bring to the table just make sure you're doing something other than sitting behind a computer screen, but just a nice blend, a nice balance always. Completely agree. Especially about shadowing. Um, I would prefer shadowing to be in person if possible. Like there's a lot of those like virtual shadowing things where students can like watch a video of a, a doctor presenting a couple different cases. And those were really great during the pandemic when there was like really no other alternatives available. But if you do live in an area that does have easy access to shadowing, um, that would be that would be much more preferable to in-person. I do completely agree with you, Michaela. A blend is is a good idea. We don't want all virtual. And I mean, the virtual shadowings are a wonderful starting place because if you think about it, let's say you want to, you know, shadow a pediatric neurologist. I don't know. (laughs) And (laughs) something very specific that you're interested in. If you're able to say, well, I have 10, if you're able to reach out to them and say, I have 10 hours of virtual shadowing in this niche field. And I would love to experience this in person. They might be more likely to say yes to your shadowing. But again, if we're looking at virtual activities, my biggest takeaway with my students is I'm asking them to pursue community impact, which I know is another thing we we wanted to talk about. And so it is really hard to make a, a very big community impact and impact like on an actual, you know, out there in the world from behind a, commu- a computer screen, especially, I mean, other than maybe fundraising, that could be something that makes an impact. But otherwise, all of my students are out, you know, in a group, in a classroom, doing things to make their their town, you know, their corner of the world a better place. And so, that is what they should be focused on across all of their activities is, am I making a difference? I don't want them to just be making a website to regurgitate and repost neuroscience articles. Like who is the audience? Who are we reaching? I want them always focused on who are they reaching? How do I measure it? Perfect. Completely agree. Again, good. (laughs) Yeah. Community impact, I think is something to think about, um, and kind of to expand the students horizon. Um, and there are so many different ways. And once again, it doesn't have to be necessarily related to your future career. It could be you starting something. It could be you joining something, taking things to the next level. So just think about how you can, can have that impact. All right. In the last few minutes of the podcast, how we go around and talk about some of our, you know, a few of our favorite activities that we've seen from students. And so we all just picked out one. And of course, these aren't things that we necessarily want you as like the listener to, to replicate because ultimately, once again, we want you to follow your passions, but just some examples of some cool activities that we've seen in the past. Um, Nicole, do you want to kick us off? Sure. 
So I've had a student who was really able to take something personal to him, something that he was, so that one thing that was really personal to him, one thing that he was really passionate about, and then kind of connect them to medicine. So he has a brother who is diagnosed with ASD and he has a passion for music. So both of those things are really something that is important to him. So he wound up really in learning about his brother's diagnosis and seeing his brother's treatments, was able to do research and begin volunteering um, in a music center for students with um, ASC or who are on the autism spectrum. So he volunteers teaching those students music. So combining both of his passions and then on the side as well, he is doing research on music therapy and how they can be used with adolescents um, on the spectrum. So really that's kind of the crux of his entire application and really all about him because that's where he spends the majority of his time. If he's not playing music for himself, he's with hanging out with his brother or he's volunteering or doing that research, it's all interconnected. And I think that's probably one of the students that has the most impactful or really cool activity, in my opinion. Yes. Yeah, that is awesome. But I love how he's combining multiple things, multiple elements to his activities. And I think that that's probably going to be a reoccurring trend in our um, favorite activities that we're we're highlighting here today is that multiple activities, multiple interests are being combined. Michaela, what about yours? Yes. Yeah, so the one that I had in mind absolutely is rooted in community impact as well as a passion. So I had a student last year who took her passion for kind of dementia patients and just working with kind of geriatric medicine overall. And she started a community organization, I believe when she was a sophomore um, or maybe right before junior year, she was educating her peers and younger students in this organization that she launched on all of the careers that would be available in the healthcare field once like the boomer and above generations reach retirement. So she was making a complete, literally her world a better place by, you know, trying to draw people to this healthcare field that is going to be having so many openings right when, you know, the people that she was literally talking to her peers are going to be graduating and looking for positions. So just trying to steer some career trajectories towards these openings that will be coming. So just a really smart way of making a community impact. Okay. And mine also has, is related to autism. Um, so with my student, uh, she, she did have one of the more impressive activities that I've ever seen. And so with hers, her sister had autism um, and they were really close in age. I think they were just like 11 months apart. Her sister was, was a little bit younger. And so her whole life, you know, she has really grown up in that community, the autism community, and really been heavily involved. And so whenever her sister would go to school, she would be volunteering there and helping the other kids learn and, um, you know, do activities. Her mom was like a huge advocate in the autism community as well. And would go to a lot of like the town, like council meetings to just like help get rights, make sure that like their voice was heard. Uh, but as as her sister got older, her mom got busier too. And her mom stopped attending the town council meetings as much. And so like my students started to take that role. And so like as an eighth grader, you know, she's presenting, she's, she's like kind of fighting in the community rights. And that just continued on throughout, 
throughout her high school. And so she was on not only like some teen councils, um, all related to like autism awareness and advocacy and things related to that, but she also was on councils that were really just adults. And so she would be like the only teen there and gaining that, that confidence too. She did a lot of research related to autism. Um, whenever her like sister school took away like the arts curriculum from the arts component from their curriculum, she fought to get that put back in. She um, actually started like a new program at like her local fire stations too, helping them know how to respond whenever they responded to like an incident with someone with like autism, because a lot of the times, because it is like a scary situation with unknown people, they might get scared and run away. And so she was like terrified of that happening to her sister. So she coordinated with multiple fire stations um, and first responders in her area and in other States too, to get like that program and that training done. She just did so many things. I know I'm probably forgetting like five to six things all related to autism that she, she did. Um, but this was like her passion. She was one of those students where you're like, how do you have enough time in the day to do all those things? She also like wrote a book kind of about her experience and her growing up with her sister and things that she wished people knew about growing up with a sibling with autism and, you know, how to respond and things like that. And so, so many of her activities were related to, to autism and, you know, I've, autism advocacy work. And so it was, it was super impressive, just like the number of branches she had off of like this one passion. And that's what I always tell kids too, whenever we're like coming up with passion projects, it's like, if I assigned autism to the student, she never would have done these things. She would never have thought about a program for first responders on how to respond to people with autism. You know, that wouldn't even cross their minds because they don't have like their, like that, like they don't understand like the pulse of the community. And so that's whenever you're thinking of activities to do, passion projects to do, think about, think about the passion, think about the interests. Anything else we want to add about activities? I don't think so. I think kind of bottom line, just do what speaks to you, do what you care about. Ultimately, that'll shine through in the rest of your application. So um, just because someone did this thing and they had success does not mean that that's what you should go seek out. And if you need advice and guidance over where to take one, one of these passions you have, that is what we're here for. All right. Well, I think that's it for us for resume building during the school year. If you haven't already, don't forget to like and subscribe to get more great content, but we'll see you next time.